Hold on. Yeah, what's cat. up? Ah. My cat's scratching at the door. I was like trying to be quiet. And I looked over at her and I was like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Medium Salt. Today we're talking about the iconic comedy Groundhog Day, a 1993 film that was directed by Harold Ramis with a screenplay written by Harold Ramis and Danny Rubin. It stars Bill Murray in one of his most defining roles, I think, as an actor. And yeah, my name is Kate. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with my good friend, Matt. Matt, how's it going? It is going. (laughs) It's been a really long week. Um, as a, the, like this recording, we're recording this, you know, basically the week of Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas is a couple days away. Um, but this episode will come out right in time for Groundhog Day, I think. That's the plan. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Be the first, uh, you know, we're not going to do a Christmas episode, but we'll be damned if we miss Groundhog Day. Clearly we should just hit all the super obscure holidays. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like uh, Grandparents' Day and weird oh, stuff like that. And I actually yeah. worked on a web series that, like, that was um, that was like its core conceit. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I love the phrase "core conceit." <laughs> like it was a, a, you know, it had some really talented actors in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of them actually ended up are a lot of them are actually uh, really established voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing like a little web series. Um, I only worked on a couple episodes. I was called in, like they'd already recorded the bulk of the season and they had like two episodes left they wanted to record and they needed a new, they needed a DP to come in and do it, do just those two. Um, so I got brought on. And uh, the the core concept of the show was, uh, it was called The Troubadours. Um, and it was the, the it was spelled, they, they spelled Doors, D-O-R-S, and they were people who'd go to door to door and sing songs. Oh, that's um, kind of cute. Yeah, and I forget a lot of the things about it because um, it's been a couple of years. But um, really great group of people. I loved working with all of them, and uh, it was a fun show. But the whole co- but they went around door to door singing songs for hol- every holiday, like a lot of obscure holidays. Like there was one that was um, like a Lord of the Rings day. <laughs> And so they did that. There was, um, I think they did Boss's Day. Boss's Day. <laughs> Boss's Day. Boss's Day was one of the ones I shot. Um, Is it every day Boss's Day? Yeah. Um, and they kind of, it was a twist on the head because like one of the, the, the core characters had a like really obnoxious, shitty, abusive boss. <laughs> um, so they sang a song about how shitty he was in front of the board of directors or something. So it was a that was a fun one, and then uh, the other one I did was a Halloween episode, which is not an obscure holiday, but you know, still fun. Yeah, generally not celebrated with non scary movies, so that's something. Yeah, yeah, it's Christmas week, and you know, despite the fact that it comes at literally the same time every year, I'm always taken by surprise. So (laughs) yeah, it'd be very easy to assassinate because I apparently just don't have a very good understanding of time and or place yeah Mm. it's finally cold today though so like in texas it's been i don't know 80 degrees 78 every day for the last couple of weeks 
up here it's been a couple days of cold followed by a couple days of hot and it's been throwing my migraines like just through a loop like I t whenever the, there's extreme shifts in weather i tend to have a really bad migraine mm -hmm. um so we've had like you know we'll have a couple days where the high is like 50 and the low is in the 30s and then the next day and then like literally the next day it'll be 80 degrees outside yeah and it's been it's been absolutely hell <laughs> the plants are freaking out too like my bougainvilleas that are outside my office window they're blooming brighter and happier than they did in the spring and i'm like what are y'all doing and I'm like, Wee, this is great <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you're gonna be really upset at some point maybe if it ever gets cold i don't know <laughs> yeah but have you been doing any like holiday sort of activities holiday activities i mean we got the tree you know we did that like right after thanksgiving we got yeah. we got the tree and had that decorated it and, is uh, important to note that Matt has a live tree, which I am a huge proponent of. Do live trees. They're so nice and they smell good. It's like having a yeah. giant flower in your house. <laughs> you have to yeah, water it's it. Not dis yeah, it's not dissimilar from that at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, you know, it's good. I, I like the live tree. I always had a live tree growing up. And then also I just, you know, I had a fake tree when I had an apartment for a little bit. And uh, I hated storing it. Mm -hmm. I just that was the thing I hated I was like this is dumb <laughs> yeah I also like I don't know why there are some activities in the universe that are just antithetical to my personal being fluffing a fake tree is one of them you yeah. know you're supposed to go around and fluff all the branches to make it look like a real tree I don't know why but I find that particularly upsetting and so I don't there's like something kind of perverse about it yeah you know, I mean, you're, I find you're taking plastic and trying to make it look like nature. Mm -hmm. um, I have a whole rant could... about fake plants. Yeah. Why not yeah, just, it's, it's just have bizarre. a plant? <laughs> yeah. Um, or something yeah. else. Like if you don't want to take care of a plant. Make it find a... you something better to, to decorate in that. Yeah. Decorate a hat you rack. Know? <laughs> something. Um, yeah. Everyone there... gather around the Christmas hose. <laughs> We've made a stack of all of our furniture and painted it red. There are a few okay reasons for artificial plants. Um, sometimes like animal enclosures, especially if it's an animal that is really destructive to its environment, those kind of make sense. Like they need, so for example, there are some tarantulas that have to have or really enjoy having like leafy environments, but they also will dig stuff up. And so having some silk leaves, which is also just a bi biodegradable thing, would be nice, but nonetheless. And that's your tarantula fact of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of tarantulas. <laughs> I'm sorry. This might be our worst segue yet. Ah, <laughs> oh, tarantulas. Speaking of tarantulas, uh, we recently watched Groundhog Day. <laughs> Uh, like, it would have made sense if we had watched Home Alone. That would have actually been an okay segue. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you remember that part? Yes. No, absolutely. We'll have to remember that next year. We can do it for a Christmas episode. Yeah. Do Home Alone. Home Alone's a um, Christmas movie. It's a good one. It is. Aaron and I just watched Die Hard last night because that's one of our Christmas traditions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. There's a, 
one of the red letter media guys, Jack Packard, has a whole thing about how like Die Hard has Christmas in it, but it's not a Christmas movie. I argue that it is. Here's the thing. We all know it's not a fucking Christmas movie, but it, <laughs> it makes us happy to pretend like it is. Yeah. So just let us have this. Don't yuck Just let us yum. have this one fucking thing. <laughs> it's 2021. <laughs> Everything sucks. Yeah. I'm legitimately thinking about canceling my New Year's plans. Like, we finally felt comfortable. I was going to go to Denver for New Year's. With my girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Like we got, I like, I literally did a thing that I've wanted to do forever that I have never let myself do, which is buy tickets for one of those giant parties that they have in like a big venue. And so we got tickets to this big flapper party, right? Where it's all like 1920s and everyone's wearing sequins and there's all these performers and everyone that goes to the party has to prove their vaccination status before they get in. So originally I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like maybe this would be okay. And then within the last week, I'm like, fuck, <laughs> maybe this isn't okay. Yeah. Oh! No, it's, it's just a repeat of, it's just a repeat of the Delta shit this summer. It sucks. It's like, when you, you feel like you're almost out of the woods and then just mm-hmm. like, bam, no. But Groundhog Day. Oh, yes. Tarantulas. (laughs) (laughs) So you've seen this movie before, right? Yeah, I I, it was like kind of like my cousin Vinny. Mm -hmm. I had never actually seen like the whole thing beginning to end. I'd always (laughs) just caught it on TV. The cable effect. I have seen it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I have seen it. I remember seeing it when I was younger and I think we actually had it on cassette and I loved it as a kid. Like I thought, man, this movie's really interesting and weird. Yeah. I definitely for me, for don't me it was uh oh sorry. I was gonna say I don't remember necessarily very well the darker aspects of it, but I do remember mm-hmm. it. Yeah. For me, I guess when I saw it, like the humor just didn't hit me right. Mm-hmm. And you know, spoiler alert, as an adult, the humor still doesn't hit me right. I think mm-hmm. there probably was a golden era there was probably a golden period. I, if, when I was around, you know, fourteen, fifteen, where that movie probably would have been funny to me. <laughs> um, Kate, you knew me at fifteen, so you could probably mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, where that we doesn't bode well for. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for. Um, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, I found I found the humor of the movie to be very cynical, mm-hmm. and like angry. Yeah. What's interesting is they rewrote the script to be that way. Yeah. The original Which, script was supposed to be much more optimistic and sort of romantic. Yeah. And and I think that has a lot to do with, with Bill Murray being cast. I think Bill Murray plays an excellent asshole. Oh, yes. And in fact, that's is, one of the reasons they were cast. They considered Tom Hanks for his role. And then they were like, Tom Hanks literally said, I can't be in this role. Everyone is used to me being a good person. They're going to know I'm going to get redeemed. Bill Murray would be great because he's an asshole on and off screen is what Tom Hanks said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know much other, other than like the, the PR persona he puts out, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Or he's a weird ass dude. Apparently he's yeah, a he's huge just, pain in the ass. I, I, I'm, I would not be surprised. He doesn't, he strikes me as the kind of guy who's like, I don't need the money. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I can like, do what I he... want. <laughs> so this movie Harold Ramis and Danny Rubin. Danny Rubin wrote the original screenplay and then Harold Ramis basically rewrote like, so this movie went through several rewrites before it was filmed and during filming. 
At some point, Harold Ramis told Bill Murray, okay, you have to stop calling me every morning. Go rewrite this with Ruben. And so he like pawned Bill Murray off on Ruben and Ruben and Bill Murray like fussed at each other for months while rewriting it because Bill Murray wanted to have a say. And then it didn't really help because after this, Bill Murray didn't talk to Harold Ramis until Harold Ramis was on his deathbed over 20 years. Oh, wow. Bill Murray hated how the movie turned out so much that he didn't talk to Harold Ramis. Yeah. And Harold Ramis and him had done, um, they'd done Caddyshack and a couple of other things. Another big defining role for. Yeah. Caddyshack and Ghostbusters. So like they had a a partnership of making these big successful comedies, but Bill Murray wanted this movie to be more philosophical, which is crazy to me because it is philosophical, right? Like it's not, man, the amount of analysis that has gone into this movie since then is nuts. And I'm really excited to talk about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, um, just the, the core concept of the, of the, of the movie definitely does lend itself to like a, a, like a kind of a higher, almost metaphysical mm-hmm. analysis. Right. But to get back to the, the, like the humor of it just being so cynical and so angry, like yeah. it just, it, it, it feels what, what year was, was Groundhog Day? I just, I 93, just 93. It has a very weird tone for 93. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, he's an ass. He's terrible. He's completely unlikable at the beginning and he's not really super likable at the end. So, yeah, well, it's funny because, like, you know, we were talking uh, in the three act episode about saving the cat and stuff. And like Bill Murray saved the cat in the beginning of this is just like he's a jaded, cynical weather reporter. And that's funny. And like, that's yeah. why we're supposed to somewhat like him. I think we're supposed but to be like, laughing at him at the beginning. Right. Maybe. Maybe. And then we're supposed to find him to yeah. maybe he's supposed to seduce us the way he seduces Rita. Maybe. Slowly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is his character arc, right? He goes from an asshole to being like, he goes from being very selfish and self-centered mm-hmm. um, to, being to ultimately being redeemed, redeemed by caring for those around him. Right. Um, but like, I still don't like him. <laughs> And there are people who love this movie, right? They love this movie. There are people who I like, love this, this is movie. movie. I, even you if the humor movie? isn't right, yeah. I love this movie as a. I don't know, like it's got a pop culture. It's a pop culture cornerstone. Yeah. Right. For for me, it just didn't land. Like it it didn't land when I was young. It didn't land now. I just like I watched it. I said, okay, it's not the worst movie. It's it's well structured. It's well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clever in all the right ways. I just, I get it. I just, sometimes yeah. have a very difficult time watching. Any media where they're the main characters have no redeeming qualities, right? Like, it took me a really long time to get into Shit's Creek because the first couple of episodes I just hated all the characters. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've got and a whole then, spiel about Shit's Creek, but that's like a whole thing. It's <laughs> a whole different uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I like this movie because of the plot and not necessarily because mm. of the. I mean, I also like Bill Murray. I like Bill Murray being Bill Murray. I kind of like him being a grumpy asshole. <laughs> so yeah, I was also a kind of cynical child. So yeah, I was probably yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there was a yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, one thing this, I will this say: this movie is actually in the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. They finally added it as a a, a national film. Oh yeah. Uh, when did they do that? 
Um, 2006. Okay, yeah, that oh. sounds that sounds more right. Fun fact: they also yeah. made a sequel of this movie for VR, and I insist you go play it because <laughs> mm. I want to know what it's like. <laughs> you know, I d- I did hear about that. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, you play um, as his son, who apparently goes back to Punxsutawney and then mm. gets trapped I mean, in a, a loop again. It's a good concept for a VR title. If I recall correctly, it came out during some of the earlier days of VR. I think so it came I don't out in have, 2019. Okay, that's actually that's that's not too bad. Anything before anything before 2018 was kind of rough. Still fun, still worth playing, but like Mm -hmm. rough. Um, There was kind of because there was like there was like a gold rush period, and they were still kind of in it. There was a gold rush period of VR where just everyone was just churning out crap to try and Mm -hmm. make money because they thought it was going to be the new iPhone, and uh, that's how I got paid. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to be in a gold rush. You want to sell shovels. That's what yeah. I've learned. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so. No, no. I was, I, yeah, I, I sold the labor of the people trying to make money off of VR. Yeah, that's essentially um, what I mean. You want to be the I person that provides the tool. My, the, my, I got exploited. You were the exploited. shovel. Yeah, I was the shovel. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. You don't really want to be the shovel. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. You end up rusty, dented, and a you know, little salty. Perhaps, uh, salty. perhaps cynical. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing, one thing I will say about this movie that I did like is I think so far, all the stuff I checked, it has the smallest age gap between <gasps> a main character and their love interest. It's like nine years. Wow. But the smallest age gap we've had on this show. That's fair. Um, but like also that's just that's Hollywood, especially Hollywood in the 90s. Is those, those huge age gaps, which like are frustrating and and help gonna... contribute to the whole like, you know, once a once a woman turns a certain age, they're useless, right? Like, yeah, once you turn thirty, it turns out like you just turn to dust and you blow away on the wind. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so that's, um, that's I'm gonna cool. <laughs> I'm gonna steal a phrase that I heard from someone the other day, which I thought was hilarious, and it was ah yes, but unfortunately that bar is a tripping hazard. So it's like a new way of saying <laughs> bar so low. <laughs> like that's so clever that's good Um, that's good yeah so i don't think we need to go point by point in this movie i feel like at this point if you haven't seen this movie you probably should just so you can know what everyone's talking about because this movie has literally been lauded as one of the best comedies of the 90s um which might be true regardless of i feel like my cousin Vinny beats it but in terms of goodness, I would agree. Like my cousin yeah. Vinny was so enjoyable. Groundhog Day is meaty, I think. Yeah, I'll give it that. You could talk about it for a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, also, for people who, oh, sorry, just, <laughs> we keep I, stepping I was, on each other today. Yeah, we. For people who haven't seen Groundhog Day, we'll just real quick. It's about a jaded weatherman who has to go cover Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney. Um. And he finds himself stuck in a time loop of reliving Groundhog Day over and over and over, mm-hmm. and he can't escape it. Mm-hmm. Um, at this, um, and that during this time, and maybe before that, he kind of um, falls for his producer, has a crush on on his producer, and uh, spends a an uncomfortable amount of time trying to figure out the perfect way to seduce her. Mm-hmm. That that's the movie. That's the that's the <laughs> well. Plot. It's not. It's not all. So originally, when I first 
was going when we, when I suggested this movie, I thought, yes, that's it. But it's also so he fails and eventually gives up. Yes. And then he wins. Yeah, and that's that's the character arc. Yeah, the point is more like you're stuck in this time loop. What do you do? What do you do with immortality, especially in this framing? Mm-hmm. Um so it's pretty interesting, right? Because one of my favorite interpretations that I've read is actually from a Buddhist perspective. Do you know what a bodhisattva is? What a bodhisattva is? Yes, but why don't you tell everybody else cuz they might not know. Ah, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm I might not get this 100% right because I am not a practicing Buddhist and so if I mess something up, I apologize. Please correct us. I love being corrected. I mean, I don't like being corrected, but in a, the abstract, I love being corrected. Um, so a bodhisattva is someone who attains nirvana after a certain number of cycles in the mortal coil or whatever and then opts to stay and save the world essentially like they they stay here and they help other people along to nirvana instead of going on themselves so a lot of interpretations of this movie have claimed that phil the the weatherman is a bodhisattva because he goes through and i would really like to argue about whatever the timeline is because there's so many different responses to how long he's stuck in this time loop But he goes through a ton of the same day over and over again, and then eventually becomes a redeemed soul, and he's better for it, right? Like, he's permanently changed, though the world is the same. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. What's your your least favorite scene in this movie? The date rape? Oh. Wasn't a big fan of the date rape. Where Are you talking he, about when he uh, does Nancy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He he lives the, when he finally. First of all, they do. He does a really. Good, I love the moment where he uh, uh, first is is in denial over what's mm-hmm. going on and living the same day over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think that that slow realization, like it's it's like serious, like five or ten minutes of just like seeing. Yeah, he, not he, getting he it. Um, this movie does that really well because a lot of yeah. movies that add in a fantastical element, I always feel like the characters adjust too quickly, right? Like if your yeah, entire yeah, world yeah. changes, you're going to go through some stages of denial and it's going to take more than 30 seconds for you to be like, oh, obviously there are dragons now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like he finally realized what's going on. And the first thing he does is he talks to a pretty lady to figure out all of her history and background. Mm-hmm. And then uses that in next iterations to lie to this woman and trick her into thinking that he's someone she knows mm-hmm. and using that lie and using information that he has leveraged out of her over time um, convinces her to have sex with him. Yes. And if you ask me, that's date rape. It's interesting because I, I, don't think of it as date rape, because I imagine date rape to be something involving a substance that is removing your your ability to consent. But it is definitely yeah. uh, coercion and super fucking skeezy, right? Yeah. Well, and what, that's the, why I would call it rape, right? Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's under false pretenses. <laughs> if, we're using, if we're using yeah. time loop as the substance, <laughs> yeah. maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a little bit of infinity. Yeah. 
what makes it worse is that while they're about to go at it and they're kissing or whatever, he calls oh, yeah. her Rita accidentally. Right. And she's like, what? Who's that? And then he says, you know, like he has to double down and he asks her to marry him. So one, yeah. that's super problematic. Two, the woman says yes, excitedly. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And again, it's that cynical humor, right? Yeah. Oh, Nancy's just such a dumb whatever she deserves to be raped. Nancy, what's going on in your life that you meet a dude uh, in the morning at a Groundhog Day festival and at night you say yes to him marrying you? Ah! And what's frustrating is that he uses when he when he runs into Nancy at the Groundhog Day festival to with his plan in mind, he uses the language mm-hmm. of of the guy who keeps annoying him every day mm-hmm. um the his old high school classmate mm-hmm. if you like pay attention to the way that his old high school classmate runs into him and, and introduces yeah. himself he uses he has the that, same intonation the, phil, yeah phil uses that same verbiage to 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 get in to get with nancy and it's very mm-hmm. like manipulative and like a little sociopathic mm-hmm yeah, you can tell he sees himself as above everyone else, and everyone else is just an inconvenience to him. It's a tool for him to use for his own pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's like, I, that bugged me. It should <laughs> bug you. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the whole like Rita thing, like I just, I had a hard time buying the, the that, that Bill Murray, that Phil had any interest in Rita whatsoever. Yeah, and it doesn't really... I didn't see why, what the attraction there was. Like, obviously, Rita is, is played as, like, a really sweet person, mm-hmm. but I don't understand what a, what a person like Phil, like, what interest, what, what's there to interest a person like Phil, you know? I think maybe it's one of those things where you want the opposite of you, right? Like, he's a very jaded and cynical person, and then he sees this shiny person, right? She loves yeah. things, unironically, right? She she loves Groundhog Day. She thinks, oh my mm. goodness, this is so fun. Look at all these people dancing and yeah. everything is everything is so nice. And either he I think at the beginning he might want to do what all horrible people do when they see something that is threatening their way of life, which is he wants to destroy her, right? He wants yeah. to seduce her in a cheap way. Just to prove that she's just as bad as he is. Mm-hmm. But after the 10,000 years of <laughs> time loop or whatever, he actually does fall for her when he realizes, no, it's real and there are good people and you can't, you can be that way. So she essentially redeems him just through her own existence. But that's not what women are for, y'all. So. Yeah, yeah, no, women are, are not there to. They're not tools to make you better. Yeah. Yeah. They, they- oh my goodness. I went to, to the pet store last night. Sorry, super tangent. I was just going in to get some cat litter because I have too many cats in my house right now. And you came home with a bird, didn't you? Oh, no, they didn't have any birds. Thank goodness. Um, I specifically <laughs> go to a pet store that doesn't really have animals. <laughs> That's smart. So, yeah, it's smart for my case because I even went and looked to see if they had any mice. Anyway, so. Um, as I was walking, I was like one aisle over from the checkout li- uh, lines, and I could overhear this one of the workers talking to um, the other coworker at the cashier line. And 
what he said was, you know, no offense, he said to this woman who he worked with, uh, but women are just a hateful group. And he repeated it several times. And I could hear it. He was saying it loudly enough one aisle over. And so I just avoided him the rest of the time. But I wanted to have one of those. Do you ever have things where you imagine yourself doing something in your mind because you're a much cooler person in there, right? Like I wanted to have a confrontation about him and his inceldom, you know? Yeah, that's, but instead, that's fucking bizarre. That, what, a, what, a, what a bizarre worldview. Yeah, um, women are a hateful group. I'm like, all of them? Every single one, including the l- one you listen, were literally if, talking to? <laughs> right. If you have consistently bad interactions with any group of people, mm-hmm. like of the of the opposite gender or of uh, 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 any kind of like racial makeup, ethnical, ethnicity makeup, like there, there's one constant in all those interactions, you know? Yep. Uh, and it and it's not the gender of the person mm-hmm. you're talking to. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking bizarre. Yep. It's that it's that old phrase, right? If everyone around you is an asshole, it's actually you who's the asshole. You know. Right. So yeah, sorry, I just had to segue into that because of the whole. I was like, yeah, my mind yeah. was just boggled. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like you know, like ugh, whatever. Women. It's definitely like a oh, <laughs> my brain's no not working will, now. Uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no one will sleep with me, so women are a hateful group. No, women just don't like you. Maybe you should investigate yeah. and look into yourself and see why that might be. Yeah, maybe figure so. out. Be happy with yourself first, and you'll see yeah. where you go. But I completely derailed us because mm-hmm. yes. Oh, I'll share a fun fact. This will be a fun segue. So. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, they wanted they wanted to get the Punxsutawney groundhog for the movie, but they opted not to film in Punxsutawney because it wasn't a good place for Probably film the- crews. It was too far away from yeah. amenities. There wasn't enough space and Punxsutawney was pissed off, so they didn't let they didn't let the studio use the groundhog. So they just caught a wild groundhog and used it in the film. Bill Murray was bitten 3 times. And had Wait, to get, had to, yeah, and had to get rabies shots. <laughs> they had to get a what? Okay. Yeah, That's they trapped stupid. a wild groundhog. Yeah, That's isn't so that the dumb. worst thing you've ever heard? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it was in the nineties. <laughs> and granted, a groundhog is a very specific type of animal. And like nowadays, if you couldn't get a real groundhog, you'd probably just CG and it look like shit. But even even good CG, right? Like even good CG yeah. groundhog. In those conditions, forget about it. But there are like companies that that's their whole shtick. Like that's their job. They 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 source and have animals specifically for use on screen. These are animals yep. are like somewhat trained. Like obviously, they're never going to be domesticated because that's not the kind of animal they are. Or, um, but they can be tamed. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not what they did. They went and just caught a wild fucking groundhog. Yeah. No, we're just going to go catch a Philadelphia or a somewhere in Pennsylvania groundhog. We're just going to trap one. Oh, God. And then that puts that puts things in so much more of a different context when you're watching the movie. 
Because I assumed when I watched it that it was a tame groundhog. But at one point, he's sitting in the truck with the groundhog in his lap. And that's the scene that he was bitten in. He was bitten three times. And I can't I can't really blame the groundhog. That groundhog's having a shitty time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just was like, oh, my God. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just silly. That poor groundhog. Yeah. So, yeah. Phil goes through kind of a predictable first set of responses to this time loop thing. He does the yeah. nothing, nothing matters. I can't be immoral, I guess, since everything resets. And yeah, so, so he does whatever I'm going to satisfy himself. Yeah, I'm going to rape women and steal and whatever, whatever, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he smokes, he drinks, he goes through like a drug binge. He. Does all sorts of things. So that's like phase one, right? Is the hedonistic acceptance of his fate. Yeah. Phase two kind of gets into trying to escape the loop, right? So like he tries to kill himself over and over and over again. Yeah. Many times. Which different ways. Dark. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like those then those moments are played for laugh. Like, like is it, that that's definitely a section that you could not do today. Yeah, like if we're talking about like that's that's a sensitive topic mm-hmm. for a lot of people, and playing it for laughs just rings a little, little, little weird for people nowadays. I think it does. This is true. Um, yeah, tries to kill himself. Sometimes he takes people with him. So he still yeah. just does not care about other people, right? Like, yeah. because something doesn't persist forever, it doesn't matter, which kind of matches his cynical view, right? So mm-hmm. they're not going to remember it the next day. So who cares if they suffered or oh, oh, hold on. were scared? I totally forgot a bit. Before the suicide stuff, mm-hmm. there, was, there was one important section I wanted to mention. Okay. I'm sorry to bring us back. But um, before the suicide stuff, he... You know, he's doing all the hedonistic stuff, but then he starts to actively pursue Rita. Mm. And he gets rejected. Mm -hmm. And there's one scene where he's coming on, like, just super strong and creepy. Like, he won't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. Like, again, like, coming back to that, like, super, like, rapey scenario. Mm -hmm. Maybe super uncomfortable. And when he gets finally rejected, like, slapped in the face... He goes fucking insane. He goes bonkers. Like he starts like trying to perfect the loop and mm-hmm. to to get to get in Rita's pants. And he's like, you know, there's a manic energy yeah. about him. And 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 Bill Murray does this perfectly. Mm-hmm. He gets that manic energy just like absolutely perfect. I believed it. It was right. solid. Excellent acting. And then, like, there's a second where, okay, he might be okay. And that's when he starts the suicide loops. (laughs) When he finally comes to terms with the fact that he can't have Rita. Yeah, because they did the whole montage of different slaps in different Mm -hmm. places, right? Like, we don't know 100% know all of the things he tried. But Mm -hmm. he basically plumbed the depths of her mind. And, uh, like, tried to learn all the things that she liked and where she went to school. And he did the thing where he takes notes about things that she likes and she doesn't like and 
she knows she's being handled and she doesn't like it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you don't form relationships with people because you like everything that they like. And you like, I wouldn't want to date myself. I date other people because they're more (laughs) interesting than I am. I am me, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. Yeah. Like that, those scenes for like, they they just seem really uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the way that they paced that, though. So basically, they show Mm -hmm. him improving the loop over and over again. And we think, like the audience thinks, oh, this is clearly going to work because it gets a little bit better every time. And then at some point, he has her in his hotel room. Yeah. And things are going pretty okay, right? Like they seem like Mm -hmm. they're having a good time. And then he pushes too hard. Because he wants one thing. He's not content with just having a good time or enjoying each other's company. He wants to bang. And she says, no. And then she finds, and then she specifically says, are you stalking me? Or do you, have you been like spying on me? Why do you know all these things? She does not want to be handled. Who does? No one wants to be tricked into liking someone. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that final rejection where he just goes Mm -hmm. nuts. And I was just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. And he kills himself a bunch. It doesn't work. And then finally, he's sort of broken down, right? He mm-hmm. starts to be real weird. And he starts telling Rita, oh, I've died so many times. I shouldn't even exist. Blah, 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 blah. What would you do if you lived forever? Like, I think she, he asks her and she said, oh, well, are there so many things I would do, right? I, you know? Yeah. And that's, I guess, what gives him the idea to, you know what? Maybe I'll go learn the piano and I'll learn to ice sculpt and I'll learn French and all whatever. Yeah. He starts to master like all of these things. And I think that was one of the ways that someone, some theories for how long the movie, mm-hmm. how many time loops there was because they did the whole 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. Like it takes 10,000 hours to get a skill. And these are the skills we see him using over and over and over again. Yeah. And then so like, there's also a period where he knows, like there gets to a point where he knows every single person in town mm-hmm. and like what their backstory is, their history, mm-hmm. what they like and dislike. And he knows it all in the back of his head. Like he doesn't even have to think about it. He just instantly knows these people. Right. Um, which means like to get to that level of familiarity, I couldn't do that with my friends, my best friends. Right. You know? Who you've known for years. <laughs> yeah. So to get to that point with every person in town is like, okay, he's been, he's been at it a while. Right. <laughs> and the original screenplay, when he, apparently the original screenplay had a lot of voiceovers that they took out when they rewrote it, which is probably oh. for the best. Um, yeah. And he was quoted as saying he'd been doing it for 70 or 80 years because he was keeping track of it in books. He would read one page a day of a book and then eventually he ran out of books. And that was one of the the scenes in the original screenplay. And he was really sad mm-hmm. that he ran out of books. Another theory that I actually really like is tying into Buddhism. So in Buddhism, it's supposed to take 10,000 hours or not 10,000 hours, 10,000 years for you to actually ascend to a a better level of yourself. And so 10,000 years. Yeah. But a lot of people think it's around nine or 10 years. I like 10,000 years because it feels very, very desperate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially because he gets to a, like that place where he gets to towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. where, And this is like the moment that I like. I think this was like, what do you call it? The uh, more or less the climax of the film mm-hmm. where he becomes the best version of himself. Right. Um, after the, the homeless man dies. Mm hmm. 
and he he does everything he can to try and save him, but he can't. Mm-hmm. Like this is a fixed point in his eternity. This person yeah. dies, and, and he has a hard time accepting that. And he spends the, the from that point on the rest of the movie. He spends the rest of the movie basically creating the perfect day mm-hmm. for everyone. Helps, for everyone, he helps every single person he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which in ultimately fact, turns to be the, the thing he needed to do. <laughs> yeah, just actually caring for others, even if it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, at that point, you get your prize of sex. <laughs> well. Let's take a slightly less cynical, <laughs> view a less of cynical that. viewpoint of this cynical, cynical, cynical movie. movie. Yes, thank yeah, you, Matt. Okay. <laughs> Which is that he has actually become a person that is worthy of being loved by Rita, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, he does sure. actually suffer and do all of this work. I mean, if the idea of the movie is that you can be redeemed, and I do believe that people can be redeemed, it doesn't matter how terrible you were at the beginning. You know, everyone is worthy of forgiveness mm-hmm. and grace. Um, but I do, I do agree with you that escaping from the time loop period should have been the thing, not getting the girl. And what's interesting is the original screenplay. This is what happened. He gets to that point and Rita still rejects him, but he escapes from the time loop. And then Rita, because she is unwilling to accept love, enters her own time loop. Oh, that's close to being good, but that's shit. Still shit, yeah. He should have just, um, he should have exited his time loop. They should have been lifelong friends. And then he should have gone on with his life being a better person. Yeah, I think that that would have been, that would have, I would have liked that more. Like if yeah. he gets rejected, but at this mm-hmm. point, because he's ascended, he is no longer bothered by that. He right. is content with that, like with being mm-hmm. that way. And then they go on to just be good friends. Right. That would have proven the, the, the change, proven the character arc, mm-hmm. proven that he's like he has truly changed. And that, you know, sex is not a reward for being a good person. Being a good person is a reward for being a good person. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. But <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not this movie. Because this, not, that, no. that would not have been palatable to American audiences. So. Not in the 90s, for sure. No, guys, got to get Mm-mm. the girl. It's Hollywood, baby. Yeah, I'm good. Give me a cookie. So, oh, so, hey, who cares? It's not like an entire generation of young men is going to grow up thinking that they should have a woman for just being not shitty. Alive. <laughs> and create an entire subculture of people who maybe get violent, especially yeah. around women. That That's not going to happen. That's not going to have any knock-on effects. Yeah, thank goodness, because that would just be so scary. Yeah. Pause for effect. <laughs> ah. What else can we say about this movie? Oh, that's what I wanted to say. You were talking about the old man. So there are a couple of instances where Phil refers to himself as a god, right? So one of the very beginning things that we see from him, he's talking about how he's the weatherman, which is basically like he's a god, right? Predicts the weather. And then he does it again when he uh, postulates to Rita that maybe being a god or being omnipotent is not just that you know everything. It's just that you've been around so long that you know everything. Mm. And one of the oh, analysis yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, analyses analyses <laughs> that I read was basically that the old man dying, no matter what Phil does is basically what 
finally convinces him that he's not a god, right? He can't he can't affect everything that he wants. He does not have control over all these things. He's able to manipulate lots of things in his space, right? Using either his yeah. money or his time or whatever or his knowledge that he's accumulated, but he still cannot save this old man. So, yeah. It it was that was actually one of the few moments of the film that I actually really liked. I felt like that was that was like one of those things that like it rang true, like it really dug right. deep and and like that having like such a profound effect on him and making him um and having him change and and try to exercise control over his mm-hmm. life because he finally like he's at a point where he realizes like shit matters. Yeah, it's like during the whole, during the change from act 1 to act 2 where he realizes he's in a time loop. He is in denial because he can't handle the not being in control. Mm-hmm. And then at some point he somehow tricks himself into thinking he is in control. Right. For, for the majority of act two. And then the man dies. And like, that's when he realizes like, no, he does not have control. Mm-hmm. So he starts to exercise control where he can. Right. And it's, there's something very human to me about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a sphere of control thing. I don't know if you've read a lot about, um, Greek stoicism. No, like because every Marcus time I've tried, it's put me to sleep. Also, <laughs> t- like I don't know, and I think it also has to do with like the 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 the, the men online who are really into Greek stoicism are insufferable. Well, let me just tell you, one of your friends who's not a man, me, likes Greek stoicism. So I will I will share my oh, non toxic yeah. <laughs> masculine. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sure it's really cool, but it's definitely been co opted by a bunch of internet assholes. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's it's internet assholes who are hyper fixated on productivity in a very mm. capitalist way, which usually puts me mm. off. But there's yeah. a thing in Greek Stoicism, and it's it's not just Greek Stoicism. There's lots of things that you can uh, see this theme in, where it's your your sphere of influence or your sphere of control. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that you try to lead a good life is you focus on your sphere of control, which is basically the things that you can actively change. Right. Things that you actively control and have power over, which is largely from the very beginning. The smallest thing is your behavior. Right. The things you yep. can do, the way that you have impact on other people. And mm-hmm. then what you do is you can try to enlarge your sphere of control to have more control over more things that you care about, right? So if you really care about, you know, your neighborhood, join the neighborhood association. If you really care about, you know, your city, join the city council, things like that. And so it it's a way of affecting your life twofold. One, you don't waste a lot of time worrying about things that you cannot control because that is a very common narrative today anyway. I know I have this problem where I'm just constantly anxious and stressed about things happening all over the world that I can't do anything about in any real way. Mm-hmm. And two, it actually encourages you to take action and work to make the world a better place the ways that you can. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but I liked stoicism before it was cool. So, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a like, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of like really good, like kind of golden nuggets of knowledge in that. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, 
I think one of the things that turns me off about it, and this isn't obviously this isn't a debate because I have not educated myself on it at all. Right. You're allowed to have opinions this, without being fully yeah. educated. It's fine. Like, this is this is my gut this is my gut pull out of my ass reaction to that. Is that like you have to remember that Marcus Aurelius was like just like a super wealthy dude who didn't have to worry about shit. And like everyone's um, like, oh, but he's he was like they they try to make his story like that of the Buddha, where it's like Oh, but he sat and he thought really hard about things. No, he was he was an asshole. And it's like, and he shared his wisdom with the world. I'm like, he was the fucking Elon Musk of the fucking Elon Musk writes a fucking <laughs> like, yeah, the dude is a fucking asshole. Chances are he's got he's probably smart about some things. He's probably going to get some things right. But like, you know, the well, he's thing, also you know, not the creator of Greek stoicism. He's just happened to be a stoic. Right. He's, he's the most famous. Yeah, Stoic, he's used as the most he famous one, but and he wrote a diary. It's like, dude, you grew in the you 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 grew up in the lap of luxury. You have all the power in the world, and you're telling other people not to worry about things they can't control. Could that be because you have the control over the things that they can't control? <laughs> that is a very good criticism. You know, and also just <clears throat> it takes it's it's also very it's a very neurotypical way to look at emotion and behavior. Yeah, that is fair. You know, in the society we've built, that is. I mean, and as much as I can control any of my anxieties, it's really more for me anyway, a sort of meditative process about understanding my place in the world and what what suffering, I guess, I should let into myself and mm. ruminate on and what things that I can acknowledge intellectually, but try not to let. Um, I guess, I don't know, because you're right. In, in some ways, it sounds really selfish. When I was a little girl, I used to spend a lot of time, I would I would cry a lot, which is really sad, but I would spend a lot of time imagining all the people around the world who were suffering at the same time. Um, you know, people were dying. Yeah. I would just sit there quietly thinking about how many people were dying at that moment or people yeah. who were being injured or were cold or were starving, and I was miserable. I was a very miserable little kid. Um, but... It's difficult, right? It's difficult to live in this world. I'm incredibly fortunate. I have so many things that no one, like there are people who will never, never get, right? And I have a lot of survivor's guilt because of that, right? Like I don't, but that that's what goes into the sphere of control for me too, is that I can use the things I have to try to help other people instead of, I don't know, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of the whole, it's very similar to like the white guilt, right? Like the affluent guilt where you're like, oh, I feel so bad for all the poor babies in Africa. Insert random group of people here who we've adopted as our token cause or whatever, right? That just doesn't ring true. There's a lot of um, virtue signaling, which is difficult, mm, right? Like there's yeah. entire companies built around virtue signaling, like fucking Tom Shoes. You know, mm. people who want to want to be seen as doing good things without actually thinking about the impacts of the things that they're doing. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah. I, like I, I take said, your not, criticism, not, though. Yeah. I don't I'm not super well read on a lot of philosophy. I'm not. We're not. Um, we're, we're discussing our philosophies. You don't have to be well yeah. read. Your opinion <laughs> matters. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if anybody out there who's who's probably screaming at their podcast device that i'm an idiot you're you're probably right (laughs) 
and we are both idiots. So, so. there you go. <laughs> Fooled you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Groundhog Day. It's interesting because it causes a lot of these sorts of thoughts, at least for me, right? Like, what is a mm-hmm. good life? What is the point of life? What actually matters? Because you see what matters shifting for Phil throughout the movie. At the beginning, the only thing that matters is himself, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the only thing that matters is pleasure. And then the only thing that matters is winning. Yeah. And then the only thing that matters is, I don't know, money? goes through a money thing. Yeah, I think that was kind of in the beginning where he's That's kind of in the pleasure. Kind of pleasure and like yeah. times it. Very fun. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that matters is other people's well-being. Right? Yeah. And so he goes from... Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's not important. You go. <laughs> he goes from the beginning of the movie where not only do other people not matter, their suffering doesn't matter, their lives don't matter. He actively kills people um, to the end where he sacrifices his time and his energy and everything to make sure everyone else is doing okay. So, yeah. And I imagine he did that a million times, right? Like we see the final loop that goes really well, right? Where he catches the kid and he fixes the lady's tires and he does whatever, whatever. Right. Even small things like fixing an old (laughs) flat tire that old ladies are driving. Yeah. And their tire goes flat. He had to have done that hundreds and hundreds of times, right? Yeah. Well, to clearly get that he, down. He's, clearly, he's not a gamer. You just figure it out once. And then you figure <laughs> out all the things you got to do. And then you plan out your perfect day. Duh. Yeah. No, that's not how reality works. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's more likely he probably just kept trying to do the perfect day and then like found out that like somebody died over here that he didn't even know. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck, oh, I gotta get to that one. Yeah. It's just nothing but trial and error for 10 years, you know? Yeah. Just crazy. I loved, I would have loved to have been in the writing room during the first draft of the script because you know they're sitting there. It's like, okay, if you could do anything and there were no consequences, you had to live the mm-hmm. same day over and over again, what would you do? And I was like, oh, I'd just like walk up and steal a bag of money. And done. Yeah, yeah done. <laughs> Rube Goldberg, my way to riches. <laughs> Have you ever seen Palm Springs with Andy Samberg? No. I highly recommend it. It is the modern version of Groundhog Day. Okay. Kind of. Okay. Without ruining anything. Except that part. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it does it really well and interestingly. Another thing that's interesting about this movie is originally the studios, before they were willing to sign off to make it, they insisted that the script include why this was happening, like some explanation. So there were a couple of things that they uh, that the writers were trying to put in, like, oh, I was a mad scientist, or oh, he was cursed by a, a jaded love or something. I'm so glad that they didn't do that. Right. Like part of the appeal of this movie is we don't know why. We don't really know why it started. We don't really know why it stopped. Yeah. And we don't really know the rules. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I feel like at some point they hint that it was the groundhog. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the things like groundhog the groundhog is actually God. (laughs) Yeah. And I forget I, I don't know why or how I got that idea. I know I was not the genesis of that idea. I was just watching it. I was like, oh, that groundhog's out. He's he's up to something. It's in his beady little eyes. 
Um, some people have said that the groundhog is the resurrected Jesus Christ, which I'm like, I feel like most people would really not be down with that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that suck? I'd, 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 have, I'd have a few words with my dad. Yeah. Dad, like, really? A groundhog? <laughs> well, you should have listened to me and cleaned your room. Right. Like, did you remember last time I came down here? I still can't look at a hammer. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to hell, Matt. <laughs> and, and now I'm a fucking groundhog in a tree stump. Yeah. Get manhandled by the mayor. Yeah. Driven off a cliff by a fucking crazy man. I'm only important once a year. Like now. <laughs> <laughs> like Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotta Another start giving theory. presents on Groundhog's Day. Yes. I love presents, so I'm down for this. Uh, another theory is that Punxsutawney is purgatory. Yeah, which would, yeah, okay. Yeah. He, he died on the way back from, the, 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 they died in the snowstorm on the way back from Groundhog Day, maybe? Oh, yeah, that's a good like one. That, the big accident, the big accident that caused the big yeah. pileup. That was actually yeah. them. Ooh, I like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I just, just made that up just now. Oh, you're really smart. And so all of this entire movie is really just his life flashing before his eyes, but it's the same day over and over again until he right, realizes. Yeah. Again, right. What if that's was, hell? What if that's... Turns out it was a coma the whole time? <gasps> what? Um, yeah. What if that's actually what happens? You die and you get to relive the same day of your death over and over again until you are redeemed. That would be interesting. Have you seen The Good Place? I love The Good Place. Okay. Yeah. It might literally be one of my favorite TV shows. It might be my favorite TV show. The the good place is great. They <laughs> added so many wonderful words to my daily lexicon. Oh yes. Shrimpies. Mm. <laughs> Calling people snacks. Snacks. Yeah. I know people did that. I'm a before, legit snack. But like I didn't say that, right? Until <laughs> I, I started watching because something about Eleanor Shellstrop calling someone just, a snack. Just like mm -hmm. sticks. Oh yeah. And like herself. Little, yeah. If you haven't seen The Good Place, go and watch it right now. Quit your job. Just go watch it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's over. They they finished the series. So like, you know, and it comes to a nice, complete ending. It's all great. Yeah. And don't look up anything about it because this show no. does some really amazing things. Fun that things. are surprising. Every, yeah. Everything's fun. Like every plot twist is just like a fun ride. Yeah. It's, it's, like, a, it's, it's like the writers were sitting there going like, okay, what would be the most fun thing to happen next? <laughs> Yeah, you'll never find another show that so perfectly mixes fart jokes and philosophy. So yeah, and it's cast excellently. Oh my goodness, Chidi Anagonia, so beautiful. There's not a bad like performance in the in the show. Yep. Um, as well as like a lot of great returns from other Michael Schur regulars coming mm -hmm. back. A lot of people from Parks and Rec. A lot of people from. Um, I think a few people. From the office. Um, and then there's also like a lot of like Easter eggs for those shows too. Like yeah. there's a there's a safe company named after Ron Swanson. Oh, I didn't so even catch cool. that. That's amazing. Yeah, Swanson safes. Yeah. This show should not have been created. This show's too perfect. Like if you start watching it and you see the directions they're going, you're like, there's no way. There's no way that they can end this show well. It's the curse of American television. We don't do endings, yeah. but this show ends so perfectly they fucking knocked it out of the park so yeah. go watch it 
So from Groundhog Day to The Good Place. <laughs> be good people. Everyone be kind. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's fun. That's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Be kind. Don't be Bill Murray. I don't I don't know if I have any more to say about this. I don't film. really either. Like, like it, it, I I enjoy this movie. I understand why you wouldn't. Like the the cynicism and the asshole the assholishery is yeah. really difficult to to take. Yeah. But I do like, I, I do I'm, love a good I'm redemption enough of an arc. asshole. <laughs> yeah, I'm enough I'm enough of an asshole in my daily life. I don't need it in my entertainment. He you says know? that, but he's actually one of the nicest people ever. Don't listen to him. I am an acquired taste. So is everybody. Yeah, but like some people, their acquired taste is like, oh, this is like slightly dark chocolate. And for me, it's like. You're like a chocolate bar that was picked by monkeys in the rainforest. Monkeys were well compensated, mixed with a lot of really (laughs) nice uh, chili powder and only be able to be consumed in a very specific ritual involving (laughs) self-flagellation. Right. That or just, you know, Sir Strumming. Or what? Sir Stroming. It's that like that that disgustingly stinky fish. Oh. Or durian fruit. No, you're not durian <laughs> fruit. Be nice to my friend. <laughs> Some people really like durian fruit. That's true. Most people don't. I don't think most people have tried it. Sorry, this is not a pity party for me. I, I, I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not letting him. <laughs> um. I just like you. Oh, so poor much. Matt. He's got a loving family and good friends, and he has a podcast. <laughs> I know. Oh, life is so hard for him. Yeah. Um, well, happy holidays, even though it's not really the holidays anymore when you listen to this. Happy Groundhog's Day. It's about to be Groundhog Day. So happy Groundhog Day. Which we have Day. established is the new Christmas. Actually, so. hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> Groundhog Day is February 2nd, and it's off. Fucking Wednesday. Yeah. Sometimes the universe works out. <laughs> Regardless of whatever's going on, this this one is releasing on Groundhog's Day, which is February yep. 2nd, right? Like I'm not an idiot. Yes. No. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been a lovely hour and change talking to you, Matt. I always enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It's it's uh it's always good. And um, yeah, this is a, oh, there's one part of the movie I forgot to mention. The part where he scares off. No, we're done. Okay. No, we're, we're... <laughs> um, what is the guy's name who tries to sell the insurance? Uh, Ned. Ned. Yeah. There's a part where he finally scares Ned off by pretending yeah. to be attracted to him. That bothered me. Yeah. Remember where he's like, oh, yeah. I just want to be with you i've been thinking about you forever oh no gay people are scary run instead of ned just being like oh i'm sorry i don't really uh you know i'm flattered but not interested yeah oh no don't touch me hold on i i've I've gotta go i just remembered i'm not homo yeah ah the 90s but anyway that's the last one (laughs) yeah so don't trap live groundhogs that's one lesson to take away Personally, I'm not a big fan of trapping any wild animal. No, me either. But like, if you're going to have a movie that involves an animal, like a groundhog, maybe don't get a live one. Yeah, or or save the budget and and pay a company that that's their thing. Yeah. Or, you know, save even more money and CG it. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know what? Or, Or own it. That's my favorite one to do. Just own that it's a fake. Like, use a puppet. 
Oh, yeah, like Caddyshack. Like, yeah, like Caddyshack, where it's like, oh, yeah, that's clearly not a groundhog. But as long as everyone in the movie pretends, especially for a comedy, right. if everyone you pretends totally it's real, get away with that. it's fine, because it's a, it's a comedy. You're supposed to laugh, and you can even laugh how dumb it is. Like, yep. that's fine. You can get Otherwise, away with that. you'll end up with Bill Murray getting rabies shots. Right. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine, like, if, if, if you were a money-hungry studio exec, and you wanted to do... Dragonheart. A reboot of Jaws. <laughs> but you wanted to make it a comedy because you're an egotistical asshole. But you also don't have any money, so... But you have the rights because you spent it all on getting the rights to Jaws. Right. So you use, like, a blow-up shark. <laughs> like, for, for a pool toy. <laughs> right? So it's a bunch of... Men go in the water. Men don't go out the water. And there's a fucking, yeah. like, little bath toy. And everyone's, like, freaking the fuck out over this bath toy. I think Come it'd be on. really cute if That'd it was, like, a dog in a shark costume. Who's <laughs> battling towards that, them. Yeah, right? <laughs> and you just, you put, you get, you, you put in cast who will just, like, sell it. Oh, yeah. Like, who just absolutely will sell it, you know? Um, one of the best things that I've ever read about why local politics matter is... In the sequel to Jaws, the mayor from the first one is still mayor. He got reelected. Mm. And I was like, right. you should vote in your local elections. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, but we digress because we could talk yeah. forever. Thank yeah, you for could. joining us on Medium Salt. I'll let Matt do the outro. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, thank you all for joining us this week on Medium Salt. As always, you can get more of us at mediumsalt.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Um, and as always, if you want to short support the show, please share us with your friends. It really does help. We're still like in that growth phase. You can check us out at medium underscore salt on Twitter that we don't actually update ever because I'm really bad at social media. Oh, same. Um, I think I'm supposed to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, I, I, I tweet occasionally at Matt underscore stocks. So you can check us out. Links in the description. Um, you know, and if you really like us, there's 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 all kinds of ways. Sub to us, rate us, review us. Send us letters. Us I love letters. You know, letters are good. Um, you know, and everyone have a have a fantastic, wonderful week. And uh, yeah, happy Groundhog's Day. Hopefully, spring comes early. I can't ever remember why. Like, I don't yeah. think groundhogs control the weather, but happy Groundhog Day. No, yeah. well, there's one groundhog. Um, but he's not in Puxatani. He's actually like on a mountain somewhere. <laughs> the ancient one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 pretty salty about coming back as a groundhog. Is the thing. Yeah. So. That's well, it's been such a great time chatting with you, and have a great yeah. week, everybody. And as always, stay, stay salty. salty. <laughs>